Part 3 of Lion Loose by James H. Schmitz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. There were considerably more men in evidence on level two than on the fourth, and fewer signs of nervousness. The star men had been told of the lot's escape from its cubicle, but weren't taking it too seriously. Quillen was conducted to the Commodore and favored with an alarmingly toothy grin. Ryder, the security chief, joined them a few seconds later. Apparently, Valadin had summoned him. Valadin said, Ryder here has made a few transmitter calls. We hear Poppy Bolton and pulled his outfit out of the Arado area about a month ago. Present whereabouts unknown. Hagready went off on some hush-hush job at about the same time. Quinlan smiled. Uh-huh. So he did. We also, said Ryder, learned a number of things about you personally. He produced a thin smile. You lead a busy and apparently profitable life. Business is fair, Quinlan agreed. But it can always be improved. The Commodore turned on the toothy grin. So all right, he growled. You're clear. We rather liked what we heard, eh, Ryder? Ryder nodded. The Brotherhood of Belden, now. The Commodore shook his head heavily. Quillen was silent a moment. They might be getting sloppy, he said. I don't know. It's one possibility. They used to be a rather sharp outfit, you know. That's what I'd heard, Valadin chewed savagely on his mustache. Asked finally, what's another possibility? Quillen leaned back in his chair. Just a feeling so far. But the business with the cubicle upstairs might have angles that weren't mentioned. They looked at him thoughtfully. Ryder said, Mind amplifying that? Coombs told me, Quillen said, that Gnome Lancion had given Mauvain instructions to make a test with Lady Pendrake on the quiet and find out if those creatures actually can do what they're supposed to do. I think he was telling the truth. Gnome tends to be overcautious when it's a really big deal. Unless he's sure of the halots, he wouldn't want to be involved in a thing like blowing up the star and the liner. The Commodore scowled absently. Uh-huh, he said. He knows we can't back out of it. All right. The Brotherhood's full of ambitious men. Behind Lancion, Mauvain was top man. Coombs behind him. Fluel behind Coombs. Suppose that this lot control device Coombs is hanging on to so tightly isn't as entirely incomprehensible as they make it out to be. Suppose Coombs makes a deal with Eltok. Eltok tickles the gadget and the lot kills Mauvain. Rubero immediately guns down Eltok and is killed by Fluel a couple of minutes later, supposedly for blowing his top and killing the man who knew how to control the lot. Ryder cleared his throat. Fluel was Mulvane's gun, he observed. So he was, Quillen said. Would you like the Duke to be yours? Ryder grinned, shook his head. No thanks. Quillen looked back at Valadin. How well are you actually covered against the Brotherhood? Well, that's airtight, the Commodore said. We've got them outgunned here. When the liner lands, we'll be about even. But Lancion won't start anything. We're too even. Once we're clear of the star, we don't meet again. We deal with Yako individually. The Brotherhood has the lots, and we have the trained Federation technicians accompanying them, who... who... who alone are supposed to be able to inform Yako how to control the lots. 
Ryder finished for him. The security chief's face was expressionless. By God, the Commodore said softly. Well, it's only a possibility that somebody's playing dirty, Quillen remarked. We'd want to be sure of it, but if anyone can handle a lot with a control instrument, the Brotherhood has an advantage now that it isn't talking about. It can offer Yako everything Yako needs in one package. Of course, Yako might still be willing to pay for the lot technicians. If it didn't, you and Ryder could make the same kind of trouble for it that my friends can. The color was draining slowly from Boladen's face. There's a difference, he said. If we threatened to make trouble for Yako, they'd see to it that our present employers learn that Ryder and I are still alive. That's the Mooleys, eh? Yes. Tough. Quillen knuckled his chin thoughtfully. Well, let's put it this way, then, he said. My group doesn't have that kind of problem. But if things worked out so that we'd have something more substantial than nuisance value to offer Yako, we'd prefer it, of course. Faladin nodded. Very understandable. Under the circumstances, cooperation appears to be indicated, eh? That's what I had in mind. You've made a deal, Faladin said. Any immediate suggestions? Quillen looked at his watch. A couple. We don't want to make any mistake about this. It's almost five hours before the Camelot pulls in, and until she does, you're way ahead on firepower. I wouldn't make any accusations just now, but you might mention to Coombs you'd like to borrow the Halat gadget to have it examined by some of your technical experts. The way he reacts might tell us something. If he balks, the matter shouldn't be pushed too hard at the moment. It's a toss-up whether you or the Brotherhood has a better claim to the thing. But then there's Kinmartin, the rest warden in charge of the cubicle. I talked with him while Coombs and Fluel were around, but he might have been briefed on what to say. Coombs mentioned doping him, which could be a convenient way to keeping him shut up, assuming he knows more than he's told. He's one of the personnel you're to offer Yako. I think you can insist on having Kinmartin handed over to you immediately. It should be interesting again to see how Coombs reacts. Laden's big head nodded vigorously. Good idea. By the way, Quillen said, Flule mentioned you've been looking for Ken Martin's wife, the second rest warden on the Pendrake convoy. Found her yet? Not a trace so far, Ryder said. That's a little surprising, too, isn't it? Under the circumstances, the Commodore said, it might not be surprising at all. He had regained his color, was beginning to look angry. If they— Well, Quillen said soothingly, we don't know. It's just that things do seem to be adding up a little. Now, there's one other point. We should do something immediately about catching that halot. Fladen grunted and picked at his teeth with his thumbnail. It would be best to get it back in its cubicle, of course. But I'm not worrying about it. Just an animal, after all. Even the light hardware these Belden fancy dans carry should handle it. You use a man-sized gun, I see. So do I. If it shows up around here, it gets smeared, that's all. There are fifty more of the beasts on the Camelot. Quillen nodded. You're right on that. But there's the possibility that it is being controlled by the Brotherhood at present. If it is, it isn't just an animal anymore. It could be turned into a thoroughly dangerous nuisance. The Commodore thought a moment, nodded. You're right, I suppose. What do you want to do about it? Baiting the cubicle on the fifth level might work. 
Then there should be life detectors in the star's security supplies. Ryder nodded. We have a couple of dozen of them, but not in the executive block. They were left in the security building. The Commodore stood up. You stay here with Ryder, he told Quillen. There's a couple of things I want to go over with you, too. I'll order the life detectors from the office here. Second passage down, isn't it, Ryder? And, Ryder, I have another idea. I'm pulling the man in space armor off the subspace portal and detailing him to level five. He grinned at Quillen. That boy's got a brace of grenades and built-in spray guns. If Coombs is thinking of pulling any fancy stunts up there, he'll think again. The Commodore headed briskly down the narrow passageway, his big holstered gun slapping his thigh with every step. The two security guards stationed at the door to the second-level office came to attention as he approached, saluted smartly. He grunted, went in without returning the salutes, and started over toward the comweb on a desk at the far end of the big room, skirting the long, dusty-looking black rug against one wall. Valadin unbuckled his gun belt, placed the gun on the desk, sat down, and switched on the comweb. Behind him, the black rug stirred silently and rose up. "'You called that one,' Ryder was saying seven or eight minutes later, "'almost too well.' Quillen shook his head, poked at the Commodore's gun on the desk with his finger, looked about the silent office and back at the door where a small group of security men stood staring in at them. Three men, gone without a sound,' he said. He indicated the glowing disk of the comweb. He had time enough to turn it on, not time enough to make his call. Any chance of camouflaged portals in this section? No, Ryder said. I know the location of every portal in the executive block. No number of men could have taken Valadin and the two guards without a fight, anyway. We'd have heard it. It didn't happen that way. Which leaves, Quillen said. One way it could have happened, he jerked his head toward the door. Will those men keep quiet? If I tell them to. And play it like this. Two guards have vanished. The Halat obviously did it. The thing's deadly. That'll keep every man in the group on the alert every instant from now on. But we don't say Valadin has vanished. He's outside in the star at the moment, taking care of something. Ryder licked his lips. What does that buy us? If the Brotherhood's responsible for this... I don't take much stock in coincidences, Ryder said. Neither do I. But the Halot's an animal. It can't tell them it's carried out the job. If they don't realize we suspect them, it gives us some advantage. For the moment, we just carry on as planned and get rid of the Halot in one way or another as the first step. The thing's three times as dangerous as anyone suspected, except apparently the Brotherhood. Get the life detectors over here as soon as you can, and slap a space armor guard on the fifth level. Ryder hesitated, nodded. All right. Another thing, Quillen said. Coombs may have the old trick in mind of working from the top down. If he can take you out along with a few other key men, he might have this outfit demoralized to the point of making up for the difference in the number of guns, especially if the Halot's still on his team. "'You'd better keep a handful of the best boys you have around here glued to your back from now on.' Ryder smiled bleakly. "'Don't worry. I intend to. What about you?' "'I don't think they're planning on giving me any personal attention at the moment. My organization is outside, not here. 
and it would look odd to the Brotherhood if I started dragging a few star guards around with me at this point. Ryder shrugged. Suit yourself. It's your funeral if you've guessed wrong. There was nothing, Quillen told Morris Coombs, that you could have actually put a finger on. It was just that the Commodore and Ryder may have something up their sleeves. The Laden's looking too self-satisfied to suit me. The Brotherhood chief gnawed his lower lip reflectively. He seemed thoughtful, not too disturbed. Coombs might be thoroughly afraid of the escaped lot, but he wouldn't have reached his present position in Nome Lancion's organization if he had been easily frightened by what other men were planning. He said, I warned Mauvain that if Valadin learned we'd checked out the Halat, he wasn't going to like it. He doesn't, Quillen said. He regards it as something pretty close to an attempted double-cross. Coombs grinned briefly. It was. Of course. The question is, what can he do about it? He's got you outgunned two to one. But if he's thinking of jumping you before Lancion gets here, he stands to lose more men than he can afford to without endangering the entire operation for himself. Coombs was silent a few seconds. There's an unpleasant possibility, which didn't occur to me until a short while ago, he said then. The fact is that Verladen actually may have us outgunned here by something like four to one. If that's the case, he can afford to lose quite a few men. In fact, he'd prefer to. Quillen frowned. Four to one? How's that? Coombs said, the Commodore told us he intended to let only around half of the Seventh Star Security Force in on the Halat deal. The other half was supposed to have been dumped out of one of the subspace section's locks early today, without benefit of suits. We had no reason to disbelieve him. Valadin naturally would want to cut down the number of men who got in on the split with him to as many as he actually needed. But if he's been thinking about eliminating us from the game, those other men may be still alive and armed. Quillen grunted. I see. You know, that could explain something that looked a little odd to me. What was that? Coombs asked. Quillen said, After they discovered down there that two of their guards were missing and decided the lot must have been on their level, I tried to get hold of the Commodore again. Ryder told me Valadin wouldn't be available for a while, that he's outside in the star, taking care of something there. I wonder what could be important enough to get Valadin to leave the executive block at present, but— Brother, I'm way ahead of you, Coombs said. His expression hardened. That doesn't look good. But at least he can't bring in reinforcements without tipping us off. We've got our own guards down there with theirs at the entrance. Quillen gave him a glance, then nodded at the wall beyond them. "'That's a portal over there, Morris. How many of them on this level?' Three or four? Why? The outportals have been plugged, man. Sealed off. Flew'll check them over when we moved in.' "'Sure, they're sealed.' Quillen stood up, went to the portal, stood looking at the panel beside it a moment, then pressed on it here and there, and removed it. "'Come over here, friend.' I suppose portal work's been out of your line. I'll show you how fast a thing like that can get unplugged. He slid a pocketbook-sized tool kit out of his belt, snapped it open. About a minute later, the lifeless vacant sign above the portal flickered twice, then acquired a steady white glow. 
portal in operation, Quillen announced. I'll seal it off again now, but that should give you the idea. Coombe's tongue flipped over his lips. Could somebody portal through to this level from the star while the exits are sealed here? If the mechanisms have been set for that purpose, the portals can be opened again at any time from the star side. The Duke's an engineer of sorts, isn't he? Let him check it. He should have been thinking of the point himself, as far as that goes. Anyway, Valaden can bring in as many men as he likes to his own level without using the main entrance, he considered. I don't see anything to indicate that he started doing it. Morris Coombs shrugged irritably. That means nothing. It would be easy enough to keep half a hundred men hidden away on any of the lower levels. I suppose that's right. Well, if the Commodore intends to play rough, you should have some warning anyway. What kind of warning? There's Kinmartin and that Halot-talking gadget, for example, Quinlan pointed out. Valaden would want both of those in his possession and out of the way where they can't get hurt before he starts any shooting. Coombs looked at him for a few seconds. Ryder, he said then, sent half a dozen men up here for Kin Martin just after you got back. Valaden's supposed to deliver the Halat's attendants to Yako, so I let them have Kin Martin, he paused. They asked for the Halat talker, too. Quillen grunted. Did you give him that? No. Well, Quillen said after a moment, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're in for trouble with the star group, but it does mean, I think, that we'd better stay ready for it. He stood up. I'll get back down there and go on with the motions of getting the hunt for the Halat organized. Valaden would sooner see the thing get caught, too, of course, so we shouldn't try to interfere with that. If I spot anything that looks suspicious, I'll get the word to you. I never said Orca, unconsciously echoing Baldy Perk. Saw anything like it. The Commodore's chunky little gunman was ashen-faced. The circle of star men standing around him hardly looked happier. Most of them were staring down at the empty lower section of a suit of space armor which appeared to have been separated with a neat diagonal slice from its upper part. Let's get this straight, Ryder said a little unsteadily. You say this half of the suit was lying against the wall like that? Not exactly, Quinlan told him. When we got up to the fifth level, the suit was stuck against the wall, like that, about eight feet above the floor. That was in the big room where the cubicles are. When Ken Martin and Orca and I finally got the suit worked away from the wall, I expected, frankly, that we'd find half the body of the guard still inside. But he'd vanished. Ryder cleared his throat. Apparently, he said, the creature drew the upper section of the suit into the wall by whatever means it uses, then stopped applying the transforming process to the metal and simply moved on with the upper part of the suit and the man. Quillen nodded. That's what it looks like. But he had two grenades, Orca burst out. He had spray guns. How could it get him that way? Brother, Quillen said, grenades won't help you much if you don't spot what's moving up behind you. Orca glared speechlessly at him. Ryder said, All right, we've lost another man. We're not going to lose any more. We'll station no more guards on the fifth level. Now get everyone who isn't on essential guard duty to the main room and split them up into life detector units. Five men to each detail, one to handle the detector, four to stay with him, guns out. If the thing comes back to this level, we want to have it spotted the instant it arrives. 
Orca, you stay here and keep your gun out. The men filed out hurriedly. Ryder turned to Quillen. Were you able to get the cubicle baited? Quillen nodded. Ken Martin figured out how the thing should be set for the purpose. If the halad goes in after the sea beef, it's trapped. Of course, if the hunting it's been doing was for food, it mightn't be interested in a beef. We don't know, Ryder said, that the hunting it's been doing was for food. No. Did you manage to get the control device from Coombs? Ryder shook his head. He's refused to hand it over. If you tried to take it from him, Quillen said, you might have a showdown on your hands. And if this keeps on, Ryder said, I may prefer a showdown. Another few rounds of trouble with a lot, and the entire operation could blow up in our faces. The men aren't used to that kind of thing. It's shaken them up. If we've got to take care of the Brotherhood, I'd rather do it while I still have an organized group. Where did you leave Kinmartin, by the way? He's back in the little room with his two guards, Quillen said. Well, he should be all right there. We can't spare... Ryder's body jerked violently. What's that? There had been a single thudding crash somewhere in the level, then shouts and cursing. Main hall, Quillen said. Come on. The main hall was a jumble of excitedly jabbering starmen when they arrived there. Guns waved about, and the various groups were showing a marked tendency to stand with their backs toward one another and their faces toward the walls. Ryder's voice rose in a shout that momentarily shut off the hubbub. "'What's going on here?' Men turned, hands pointed, voices babbled again. Someone nearby said sharply and distinctly, "'Saw it drop right out of the ceiling.' Farther down the hall, another group shifted aside enough to disclose it had been clustered about something that looked a little like an empty shell of a gigantic black beetle. The missing section of the suit of space armor had been returned, but not its occupant. Quillen moved back a step, turned, went back down the passage from which they had emerged, pulling the Meum devil from its holster. Behind him the commotion continued. Ryder was shouting something about getting the life detector units over there. Quillen went left down the first intersecting corridor, right again on the following one, keeping the gun slightly raised before him. Around the next corner, he saw the man on guard over the portal connecting the building levels, facing him, gun pointed. What happened? the guard asked shakily. Quillen shook his head, coming up. That thing got another one. The guard breathed. By God! and lowered his gun a little. Quillen raised his a little. The meum devil grunted, and the guard sighed and went down. Quillen went past him along the hall, stopped two doors beyond the portal, and rapped on the locked door. Quillen here. Open up. The door opened a crack, and one of Ken Martin's guards looked out questioningly. Quillen shot him through the head, slammed on into the room across the collapsing body, saw the second guard wheeling toward him, shot again, and slid the gun back into the holster. Ken Martin, standing beside a table six feet away, right hand gripping a heavy marble ashtray, was staring at him in white-faced shock. "'Take it easy, chum,' Quillen said, turning toward him. "'I—' He ducked hurriedly as the ashtray came whirling through the air toward his head. An instant later a large fist smacked the side of Ken Martin's jaw. The rest warden settled limply to the floor. "'Sorry to do that, pal,' Quillen muttered, stooping over him. "'Things are rough all over right now.' He hauled Ken Martin upright, bent, and had the unconscious young man across his shoulder. The hall was still empty except for the body of the portal guard. 
Quillen laid Ken Martin on the carpet before the portal, hauled the guard off into the room, and pulled the door to the room shut behind him as he came out. Picking up Ken Martin, he stepped into the portal with him and jabbed the fifth-level button. A moment later, he moved out into the small, dim entry hall on the fifth level, the gun in his right hand again. He stood there silently for some seconds, looking about him, listening. The baited cubicle yawned widely at him from the center of the big room. Nothing seemed to be stirring. Ken Martin went back to the floor. Quillen moved over to the panel which concealed the other portal's mechanisms. He had the out portal unsealed in considerably less than a minute this time and slapped the panel gently back in place. He turned back to Ken Martin and started to bend down for him, then straightened quietly again, turning his head. Had there been a flicker of shadowy motion just then at the edge of his vision, behind the big black cube of the lot's food locker? Quillen remained perfectly still, the meum devil ready and every sense straining for an indication that the thing was there, or approaching stealthily now, gliding behind the surfaces of floor or ceiling or walls like an underwater swimmer. But half a minute passed, and nothing else happened. He went down on one knee beside Ken Martin, the gun still in his right hand. With his left, he carefully wrestled the rest warden back up across his shoulder, came upright, moved three steps to the side, and disappeared in the out portal. End of Part 3